the Under Center podcast. Hello and welcome to the Under Center podcast, the first Under Center podcast of 2023. I am your host, Daramar, and I'm delighted to be joined by Fionn Malai on our first show of the new year. Fionn, happy new year to you. How are you? Thanks very much, Dara. It seems like we're the only two that made it through New Year's celebrations, I guess, maybe. Uh, I don't know what's going on, but yeah, it's it's good. It's going to be a big year for us. We're growing every year on year, so uh, we did really well last year. Uh, many thanks, as we always say to you as well. You're a big driving force in this show, so many thanks for all your work. We're all going to be behind you and hopefully chip in a lot this year and grow it even bigger and even better. So I can't wait to see what we can manage to pull together this year. Yeah, thank you. And we have, we, yeah, we do have a, an important year coming up on multiple fronts, not just obviously with the show, back playing football with the under, or I was going to say under center pirates, <laughs> North Dublin. Not pirates. yet, not yet. We don't have a sponsorship <laughs> gig yet. Uh, North Dublin pirates, of course, we start our new league in uh, March. Um, and we are definitely looking forward to that after a tough year last year. Um, of course, we did do a, an AFI preview of 2022 on the show a couple of weeks ago before Christmas. We were joined by some great guests, including Joe Kinnan from the uh, Westmead Minotaurs and Steve O'Rourke, a friend of the show, of course, but who's also the offensive coordinator with the West Dublin Rhinos. So make sure if go and check that out on our podcast uh, streaming service, wherever you get your podcast, you'll search under center podcast. Or if you want to go to our YouTube channel and watch it back, you can, of course, as well. Same thing. Go to YouTube. Just search Under Center Podcast. You'll find it there. Found it a, a very great and informative chat where we got to sort of pro- air out some sort of, um, I'm not going to say difficulties we have with the league, but ways just to sort of make the league better for everyone and improve it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, just our, our thoughts. Uh, there was nothing yeah. critical in it, I felt. Just our contribution. Look, we, we know everybody there is a volunteer. Uh, we have a lot on our plate in terms of Irish football. We'd love to volunteer as well. Maybe one day we will be involved in that side of things. But look, we have a platform. Uh, we do have a following in Ireland. We want to raise some some ideas. Maybe somebody in there likes it. Maybe the teams. Like we said, some of the ideas are are maybe can be conducted outside of the AFI and kind of give them a hand and take some of the responsibility off them. And as a team, as each individual teams and as a league in general, try and grow the game in Ireland and not rely solely on the governing body and they do a great job the game has grown it's getting better every year and hopefully we continue to do that that's all we were looking for uh that's what we 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 spoke about and all the guys agreed and sure look nobody's perfect there's going to be little niggles here and there that that need cleaning up and tidying up year on year but i think we're in a good spot league's in a good spot teams are in a good spot by all accounts they had the league agm should be a lot of good strong teams in every division this year so i can't wait to get into the into the league i'm sure we'll be following the league as we go on this on this channel on this podcast uh, and we'll let anyone who's interested know what's going on in, in american football in ireland yeah for sure definitely last year um you know covering the league was a big success for ourselves and, and helped us pr- help promote the league too and uh, we will definitely be doing that again this year and um, hopefully with a little more focused content we'll see if we can you know, maybe dedicate a few shows to it and see what we can do mm-hmm. going forward. Mm-hmm. Because, of course, Joe, um, who was on the show before Christmas, of course, is part of his own podcast, looking at the, the league each week. So it'd be great to have him maybe on a bit more often to to have a look at it too. But Fiona, I mentioned that as well, because I'm already in 
you know, 2023 season mode myself personally, you know, some people um, are getting ready for it themselves, you know, maybe stepping up their gym routine these past few uh, days, getting ready for New Year, a couple of weeks, you know, maybe some people are looking at uh, getting the, the cobwebs off the gear after the Christmas break. I myself am currently wearing a new set of football boots that I'm trying to break in at the moment as we are live. <laughs> Under the table. Literally under the table. Well, I'd say, Dara, a new girdle as well. <laughs> I am trying to get these boots molded to the shape of my feet, get my stink in there. You know, everyone has their own individual feet stink. Um, so I'm trying to get them ready so that I am, my feet aren't in bits for training this weekend. I'm using the good old faithful miner ready to go locked in. So I can't wait to get back on the pitch. It's going to be a cold one. Gonna be a cold. We should also mention, Dara. Uh, it's coming towards the end of the season. Playoffs are kicking in. It's last last weekend of the regular season is coming up, uh, and people have been kind of following in. And every year, new people get involved in the NFL. If you're watching the NFL, if you love the NFL, get in contact with your local teams. We are the North Dublin Pirates. There's other teams based all around Dublin and all around the country, particularly in Northern Ireland as well. They have plenty of teams. If you're interested. Mm-hmm. Whether you're able-bodied and you want to come down and play, there's a position for every body type. If you're not quite as able-bodied or you just have a super interest in the league, we always need volunteers. We're happy to get people trained as coaches, an official uh, Sports Ireland certificate in coaching. It's fantastic. I did it myself there over the Christmas break. Uh, Volunteers for each team. We know uh, the Pirates would love to have guys just helping out with it. Uh, kit managers, things like that, taking stats on game day, maybe doing a bit of recording. Whatever you're interested in, we're happy to get you involved. Please do either get in contact with us on social medias, the show, or any of the teams, obviously. And if you head to the AFI website, you will see a full list of all the teams around Ireland and find your local team and get involved because it really is great. And with you guys, we can make it even better. Yeah, and of course, if you do want to play and maybe you don't want to play the kitted side of it with, with contact, there is plenty of flag football teams as well Absolutely. available to you. I am growing each and every year as well. I think we've seen a massive growth in the last year of just um, more teams popping up around the country too. So there's definitely going to be a team. Again, refer you to the AFI website for that too. They will tell you exactly where the closest team is to you in your area. So it's definitely worth checking out if you want to sort of start 2023 by getting more involved in American football over here in Ireland. But Fionn, we're going to um we're going to go straight into the news and we're actually going to of course uh, have to start with um the only news sort of around the NFL at the moment and that is of course the uh, emotionally draining week that's been for NFL fans and most sport fans around the world following the traumatic events on Monday night in Cincinnati and of course uh, the Buffalo Bills defender Demar Hamlin um the latest at the time of recording here on Wednesday evening is that Hamlin is showing signs of improvement and um, his oxygen levels are improving although doctors fear there is some damage to his lungs there's still no update whether or not the game will go ahead we've been told for sure that it will not happen this week whether it's going to happen next week or not we are still yet to be informed so week 18 is still going to go ahead as previously planned with the two games on Saturday and the rest of them on Sunday but of course, uh, Fionn, we have seen plenty of coverage uh, this week and I kind of want to get your feelings on it. I know um, you were like me that we didn't actually see it happen live um, on Monday night as it was at 2 a.m. over here in Dublin. And of course, um, we weren't able to stay up for it. But, you know, um, 
to see the to see the scenes then afterwards the day after and to see you know after such sort of a routine tackle you would call it seeing as we're both defenders as well we sort of see this a, a lot a routine tackle um for him to get up and then fall straight back down and you know I guess because we come at this from a new uh, a unique perspective um as opposed to sort of maybe most other podcasts you'll listen to um that we do currently play as well um obviously nowhere near the level of the NFL not even mm-hmm. close but I want to see what what were your thoughts seeing that um and seeing sort of the the sort of uh, the the coverage since then yeah, I think it's been quite shocking. Like a lot of shockwaves in the sports world, as you mentioned. A lot of people in circles that don't normally follow the NFL have have brought it up and, and mentioned it to me. So it's really had a, a wide-reaching impact. Any soccer fans will remember, uh, not necessarily a physical collision, but uh, Ericsson had the same thing for Denmark playing in the Euros. He collapsed on the pitch, cardiac arrest as well, and he was revived. His heartbeat was revived on the pitch as well before being taken to hospital. So for anyone who maybe still hasn't hasn't heard it and is listening to our podcast, that's what happened to Damar Hamlin. He, he made a tackle, seemingly innocuous, got up back to his feet and then subsequently collapsed again. So very serious, very interesting. It's a very physical game we play. As you mentioned, there are both of us play on the defense. Big hits, obviously, as you said, not necessarily the same level as the NFL. The speed's a little bit slower. The impacts are a little bit smaller. But it, on something so innocuous, it's a reminder that it's, it's a dangerous game. It's why we mentioned at the start, look, if you're not interested in that physical side of the game, there's other things around the game that you can do because it is a serious thing you have to ready yourself for when you go on any American football pitch. It's a contact sport. It's a largely contact sport uh, as opposed to, say, soccer, which is a contact sport, but it's not constant contact and it was really it was really interesting to see the response around the sports world. It doesn't happen very often. I think that's something we should mention. That's why it's made such big ripples. Obviously, such a, a contact sport. You get a lot of injuries, broken arms, twisted ankles, ACLs, MCLs, this kind of thing. They do happen probably on a weekly basis. Certainly, people will know from the media in general that uh, concussions are a big deal in the NFL. But in terms of these really seriously life-changing injuries, they don't happen very often. Every so often, someone will be taken off with a neck brace on, maybe once a season. It tends to be not too bad, over-precautionary, and they tend to be out of hospital within a day or two. So for anyone who's looking for a bit of contact, that's why it's such a big deal. It's very rare that a life-threatening injury happens on an NFL pitch these days, which is great really shows the signs of the improvement in the safety and the technology that the NFL are using. But yeah, that that kind of, for anyone who's wondering why this is such a big deal, given it's such a contact sport, this is extremely rare. It's a very big deal. It's very similar to the Ericsson case. We're not used to seeing this. And I think one thing also to mention to maybe some people who have seen the news, but don't follow the NFL, the upwell of support from the NFL fan bases is pretty incredible to see, to be honest. There is a history of this going back now for maybe the last 10 years when players go down, especially with serious injuries. Fan bases from around the league, they tend to donate money to their causes, to their charities. Demar Hamlin has a charity which raises money to give kids uh, toys, kids in need toys that wouldn't be able to afford them. Especially important given the time we just went through at Christmas time. I think that's really important to highlight as well. How the community of the NFL 
is there to support in whatever way they can and and try and help these players and from something so tragic now thankfully he's still alive and he's making good progress as you said but for him such a life-changing moment that something good for at least somebody else can come out of that moment so i was quite proud to be affiliated with that obviously uh we're much far removed from the nfl i should point that out but it was nice to see i think that's really a good sign and and the definition of why anyone plays team sports i guess yeah and um i i'm happy that you brought up the uh the gofundme page and the the positivity that has surrounded with the nfl fans and the nfl family after what has happened because it's very easy to go and highlight the sort of negative sides of it um we've seen with even the likes of Skip Bayless getting a lot of negativity towards inappropriate tweets. We've seen, um, I can't remember who it was. It was someone on ESPN that was then in trying to insinuate. I don't think it was as bad as people are making out about that. It was T Higgins fault for what happened. Um, again, I, I don't believe that at all. I don't think that um, T Higgins should have any blame in this situation at all. It, it was, I think, I saw it was a one in 264 million chance that this could have happened. You see this tackle at least 20 times a week um, Look, I, in the I NFL. Wouldn't be, I wouldn't be surprised that if there's something uh, underlying going on there that just no scans had picked up yeah. some sort of weakness in a, in a heart valve or something, just whatever that jolt managed to jolt is exactly the wrong yeah. spot. I wouldn't be surprised if, if there's something comes out later on that it wasn't a 100% healthy heart. Yeah, and and I should also um, commend the EMTs, the doctors, the 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 actually the Bengals uh, doctors and the Bills because it was the Bengals doctors that came out first and then signal for the Bills doctors that um, what they did to basically save his life. They uh, giving him CPR from what we think is nine minutes. He had to be resuscitated twice. Um, I myself know first hand, not first hand about. CPR. I, 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 I am a first aid responder. Um, I do know how difficult it can be in um, in a scenario where trying to give someone um, CPR. Um, I, I feel like this situation, especially, I think highlights the fact that I think everybody should do some sort of first aid course to learn CPR. Um, even if it is just a knowledge thing, because when it comes to it, you know, you never know if you're going to be that one that's going to jump into a situation and try and help when there is something like that happening. You know, not everyone sort of has that, you could say hero mentality to sort of jump in when, when things are are, are tough. And um, it's a totally different scenario from, you know, doing it in say a classroom environment to in real life. Um and you brought up Christian Eriksen as well at Euro 2020 with, with Denmark. And, you know, the Denmark players did what they needed to surrounding him, stopping cameras from seeing it. Um, it's things that I don't think cameras should be focusing on trying to see. And the the builds of players on Monday night did the exact same thing. Uh, and I applaud them for that too, because it, it is their friend, it's their brother, it's their teammate that they are all really concerned for. They don't know basically if he's going to live or if he's going to die. Um, and I think this sort of, for want of a better word, voyeurism of, of people nowadays want to see like mm-hmm. things like going on like that. Um, I think it was a great thing that we didn't. 
Um, and we just know the person of Demar Hanlon. We know the 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 player. We know the the charity work that he does. And like as of the time recording, it's got over six point three million dollars on a on the GoFundMe page, which is incredible for a twenty five hundred dollar goal that was set up in the start. Um, but like that, we send their thoughts and well wishes out to Demar Hanlon and the family. We do hope we hear better news as the week goes on. Um, it seems it seems like it's improving hour on hour, which is great. So we hope that that continues, um, and that we um at least see him get a, a full recovery from this. Whether or not he gets on an NFL field again does not matter. The fact that he's able to still live a full life after this is the most important thing. Absolutely, absolutely, and like you said, I just want to echo. Uh, fair play to the to the first responders there, the medical teams of of both uh, franchises. Very impressive. It's not hyperbole to say that they saved that man's life. It's very rare in your life you get a chance to do that and make a such an impactful difference to someone. But uh, regardless of the outcome, they did everything they could to save that man's life, and I think that's a, a credit to them and a credit to their franchises as well. Uh, so yeah, we continue to. To hope for the best for him, I, I think it'll be much more difficult than Christian Eriksen. I don't know if we'll ever see him play American football yet or not. But as we also say, there's a lot bigger things in life than playing American football. It's something we love to do. But there's much bigger and more important things in life. And when he can get to walk out of that hospital and continue that life, I think he'll be happy enough with that with that trade-off. Yeah, I'd love to, I'd love to be a, a fly on the wall um, the, when he wakes up. And then he is told that his GoFundMe page has broken like $6 million at the moment. It could be seven, eight, nine, ten by the time he realizes, because I'm sure he's he's going to be so happy with that. The fact that everyone wanted to try and do something in a time where not a lot of where you can't really do anything to be able to sort of contribute and help people in that way, I think is going to be is fantastic. And I I, I hope that um once he finds it out, he he's happy to hear that. Um, I, w- we'll I wouldn't move be on. surprised. I wouldn't be surprised if his first instinct, as soon as he wakes up, is to go into cover two in the ho- in the hospital room until he figures out where he is. It, it could be. Jump it could of, very well be. It jump could out of the bed well into be. a power stance and get ready to go. <laughs> um, we'll move on though, and we are going to talk about your Washington Commanders, Fionn, yeah. um, and we're going to talk about uh, head coach Ron Rivera as well because. I want to ask you about them because they have, of course, been um, eliminated from the playoffs um, uh, last weekend after losing to the Cleveland Browns by 24 points to 10. The team went back to Carson Wentz as um, the starting QB for probably their most important game of the season, benching um, the previous starter, Taylor Heineke. First of all, was that the right decision? And then also, um, we've just heard this week as well that Sam Howell is going to start against the Cowboys. Um, And what is your thinking towards that? Yeah, I think that's important. I saw initially that they were going to start Heineke again and then let Howell finish out the game. That immediately raised an eyebrow with me. I didn't really understand why you would bother doing that either start hell from the beginning or play Heineke all the way through whatever way you want to split it. That doesn't bother me, which QB you pick, but to split it halfway on the last game of the season to me, doesn't seem to, to add anything unless they wanted to see if they could put a thorn in the side. I believe it's the Cowboys. They're playing, put a thorn in the side of the Cowboys. They need, if they beat us and Philadelphia lose, they can clinch the division. 
which is obviously something they don't they would want. And I think as Commanders fans, we'd certainly do anything we could to mess up the Cowboys beyond any other team in the league. So maybe that's what they were thinking. I, in the end, I think it's the right decision to start hell. You want to see what he's got. It's going to be against a defense that needs it, that wants to win the game. It's going to be a true test of where he's at in his development. And yeah, I think it's it's a very weird situation. I think we'll talk about it more, but for me, it all comes down to that quarterback position. That's That's not a particularly hot take, but of any team summarizes this than anyone else, it's got to be the commanders over the last five, six years. Just team commanders now are going to be looking at a QB with their first round pick in this year's draft. I think they have to. Hell's the only quarterback on the roster with any guaranteed contract or any contract at all going into next season. So whatever they do in the offseason, I wouldn't be surprised if Heineke's re-signed again. I was trying to find, I read earlier his stats. Uh, I think he's uh, 13 and 12 and 1 as a starter, which is not fantastic. But I think other starters in that same time are 2 and 7 or something crazy. So I wouldn't be surprised if he manages to scrape his way back onto the team. I do like him as a backup. I think he is the definition of a backup. He can come in, win a game here or there, two games on the bounce, no problem. But I think if you ask him to win over the course of a season, you're going to be in trouble. So, yeah, I wouldn't be surprised. I certainly think the quarterback panel coming out into this draft is much stronger than it was last draft. So I think uh, by no means are we in prime position to get one of the top quarterbacks, but I think the depth is there a little bit more this season than last season. Well, possibly. I think now this is just off the top of my head. I think you'd definitely be in the maybe late teens, possibly uh, early 20s at the moment in terms of draft order. Um, there's a lot of teams obviously ahead of them pro- thinking maybe the, the Lions are, are ahead of them. The, the Seahawks, of course, are ahead of them. The Bears are ahead of them. Those three teams won't be looking at quarterbacks. We'd probably think now this is really really early we haven't even looked i haven't even looked at a draft board properly and um, but you're thinking probably a bryce young is going to go number one to the texans and you also have the likes of cj strout you have um will levis there as well um i think the the quarterback coming out of florida as well um, i think there's an older quarterback coming out of penn state as well there is uh georgia state Georgia State. State. Yes, I remember. Yes, he's actually older than like five or six quarterbacks currently in the league. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's that's someone to look at too. Again, I haven't done my draft research yet this year. <laughs> this is just passing stuff I see along on Twitter too. But there is, there there is, yeah, like you're saying, Fionn, there is a lot more QB depth this year. So being in a mid-teen, maybe early 20s position in the draft might still get you one of those quarterbacks. Yeah, I think, I think there's enough in the tank as well to risk trading up. I don't know if there's anyone up there that will be willing to get out of a higher spot. It can be difficult trying to get up there because I think at the moment those top 10 teams, well, actually there is a couple of top 10 teams that have that are very strong teams that have layover picks from previous seasons that maybe will be interested in getting out of there in the top 10. I don't know, as you said, we're, it's a little bit Seattle? early to start the draft, maybe, to start the draft processing and kind of doing up all the different calculations. But So I don't know what Washington has in the bank in order to try and get up there maybe a little bit. But yeah, I think it does need to be a, a big shot at a quarterback. I think they showed with 
Wentz last season that they're they're getting to a point now where they're willing to take shots at quarterback. They understand where the team is and what the team needs are. So I wouldn't be surprised if behind closed doors there are some talks already going on about how are we going to get ourselves up the board to get a QB we're comfortable with. Yeah, and just just for record, I'm actually not in favor of Seattle getting out at uh, number three pick. Well, you guys need as bad as us. Come on now, Darry. I'm putting I, I am putting all of my chips. Not even not even getting a quarterback at, at number three. I want Jalen Carter. That's who I want. I Where's want Where's that he? defensive tackle. Ah. Defensive tackle from uh, isn't it Georgia State? Yeah, it's Georgia State, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. Um. That's who I want. I want Jalen. He's, he's the top def- interior defensive lineman in the draft. I want him in Seattle because that's where they've struggled. Now, they've struggled a lot this year, but that's one of the positions they've struggled this year. And that's who, who I'm looking at. That or um, probably the next one then is the edge rusher, Will Anderson from um, Bama. I think he's the he'll be the next one. So it'll be either those. It, it depends on who whatever the Bears do, whoever they want. Um, and then obviously I think Seattle will take take the other. Um, that's also under the assumption that Texans take a quarterback first overall, which I'm sure they would. They're not going to be uh-huh. keeping um, Davis Mills. But again, that's enough draft talk. That's enough draft talk. Um, I want to actually ask you about a video that came out um, after the game on Sunday uh, with Ron Rivera, who uh-huh. seemed quite confused by the by the fact that the team could have been eliminated later on that day. I actually have the video here for anyone that hasn't seen it. I'm going to play it first. And then, Fionn, I want to get your opinion on it. Let me see. I have it here. Yep, I do. Now, is it going to play for me? Let's see if I get that to play. No sound there. There's no sound on that. Very sorry. Nope. Um. For sure, you can we're innovating. See we're trying to innovate the technologies here. We're, we're trying to iron out some... Some bugs on the fly. I'm trying to get it going, but look, it's not going to work. Doesn't we'll matter. Share it on our Twitter. Else. Go to our socials. You'll see the. Yeah. We'll put it up on our socials. He was asked basically, if you are eliminated this week, will you start Sam Howell in week 18? And he gave that perplexed look, saying, "We can be eliminated today." Oh, literally, his words were, "Ah." Oh. Now, Fionn, we are Irish, and yeah. we know sarcasm. It is our second mm-hmm. language. I think that was him purposely being vague because he didn't want to be- call out a reporter being stupid, maybe, possibly. He didn't want to call the reporter stupid yeah. for asking that question. But there's no way he didn't know what the scenario was going into this game. Maybe he did, maybe he didn't. I don't think it's that important for him to know that scenario. The head coach needs to win every game. So the, the aim of the game was to win. Being eliminated was taken out of our hands. So... Even if we lost that game, we weren't necessarily eliminated from the playoffs. We were eliminated in the end, but that was a result of other results that happened later on. So, look, even if he didn't know, do I think it's a big deal? Am I worried about it? No, not really. I suspect there was a little bit of sarcasm. I suspect he was also a little bit miffed playing at home to get a not-homer question, if that makes sense. A bit of a tough question from that uh, from that. Uh, reporter so yeah I think overall did he know I don't know maybe maybe it's possible but (laughs) I'd much rather him not know we were going to be eliminated than not know we could have clinched because the reality is it's the NFL you're going to win every game who cares what happens if you lose the game because the reality is you should never be thinking about those scenarios it doesn't help you win 
It doesn't help you manage anything. We, as, as I mentioned before, the elimination was out of our hands. So it didn't matter whether if we weren't eliminated, if we lost by 10, we were eliminated if another team won and we lost. So there was nothing we could do once we lost. It was out of his hands. And so I don't mind. Maybe he didn't know. Maybe he did know. For me, it's not a big deal. Okay. All right. We'll move on. And we are going to look ahead to week 18 a little bit here. And we're going to um, look ahead at the playoff scenarios heading into the final week of the regular season. There are still two spots up for grabs in the AFC and one in the NFC. Uh, we'll start with the AFC first. The uh, Titans travel to take on the Jaguars in a battle for the AFC South and the fourth seed on Saturday. And then the final wildcard spot is going to be decided on Sunday between three teams, the Patriots, Dolphins and Steelers. The, the Patriots are due to take on the Bills in Orchard Park. The Dolphins entertain the Jets and the Steelers will be at home against the Browns. So Fionn, who do you see taking those two spots? Firstly, between the Jaguars and Titans, and then for the uh, final wildcard spot between the Patriots, Dolphins, and Steelers. Well, you know what? The Titans have been really bad without Tannehill. And they, they can be flaky with Tannehill, but they've been really bad without Tannehill. I believe they're still without Tannehill. They, they, it's only dubious about whether he would make it back for the playoffs or not, uh, even if they did make it in. So in that scenario, I'm going to go for the Jaguars. I actually like it. I think Lawrence has a lot of developing still to do. I think he relies on that absolute missile launcher he has. And he has a little bit more finesse growing into his game. But I think there's more room to grow that and more of the subtleties of the quarterback. He certainly proved he's a tough runner with the ball in his hands. Maybe he needs to wrap up a little bit. I noticed the ball come out a couple of times. Maybe a little bit too easily. But yeah, I, I think it's a good story. What do you think? I've, given the season that they had to go through last season with Urban Myers and the disaster that that was. What a turnaround to make it into the playoffs then the next season. What do you think? Oh, a huge turnaround. And I don't feel that uh, Doug Peterson is getting the credit he deserved. I don't think... I think if if the Jaguars make the playoffs, I think he should be coach of the year. I know Dayball is, is the bookies' favorite, obviously, for getting the Giants to the playoffs. But the Jaguars were in much a much worse situation with, like you were mentioned, Urban Meyer and that absolute, you know, uh, that absolute shit show that was going on there, and and him and 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 everything in that organization, and for Doug Peterson to come in and turn it around, and for what he's done with Trevor Lawrence, what he's done with that offense as well, um, with the players they brought in, the players they've drafted, and the defense has, has improved so much as well. Of course, you remember the the controversy over taking Kayvon Walker um, at number one last year instead of taking Aiden Hutchinson. Mm-hmm. Um, now, he hasn't been as impactful maybe as he would have liked for being a number one overall pick. He still has contributed, though, to that defense. I think, yeah, that um, I think the Jaguars should take it. The Titans have just fallen off a cliff. Um, I think they've fallen off Young's cliff along with Russell Wilson um, and Derek mm. Carr. Um, the, it, well, it's not just Ryan Tannehill, though. It's It seems to be the, the offense in general because Derek Henry missed the last game and, and he did absolutely nothing. I don't know what his status is for this weekend. I think he's going to play. Um, but Josh Dobbs is going to be the starting quarterback on Saturday for the Titans. 
they won't play Malik Willis. You know, are they already out on him after only drafting him? We don't know, but things seem to just be going south quickly for the Titans, and they're going to need a lot of surgery in the offseason, whether that is the draft or free agency, to sort of get back to where they want to be. Yeah, I think uh, Malik Willis, I think you need to give him time. Look, everybody knew coming out of Liberty that he was branded from the very beginning as a project quarterback. So I think you keep him on. I think you see how he develops. He flashed what he needed to flash, in my opinion. Uh, Overall, as a starting quarterback, did struggle to have that production that you need to be a a stable starting quarterback and securing your job. But I think he showed enough to show that he might get there. He wasn't completely out of his depth. Certainly dangerous with the ball in his hand again. And the NFL is trending that way. You need your quarterback to be able to break the line and go and run it himself for 20, 30 yards when the defense isn't looking. And that's a favorable call. And I think he has the ability to make those calls as well and use his legs well. It's just, like I said, maybe with a little bit of Trevor Lawrence, there's a little bit of finesse still to grow into his game. And look, I think you're... You're daft. You're crazy if you drafted him, knowing the label that he had, probably having that label on him as well, and then being essentially forced to play him, right? He wasn't part of the plan to get him in the lineup this season, in my opinion. So why would you judge him on what he did when you knew he wasn't ready to go? And you drafted him for a project over the next two, three years. He's going to be cheap. Tannehill is not going to last forever and has his own limitations as well. So I think... Calm down. I reckon the Jaguars go through in this one. I reckon the Jaguars win the game, get into the playoffs. Uh, and as a Titans fan, I agree with you. There's plenty of stuff to do in the offseason. When you don't have a starting quarterback, Derrick Henry is a fantastic running back, but a one-dimensional offense in the NFL should never beat it. Uh, NFL defense. They should be able to stop that run, no matter who's running the ball. And if your quarterback can't punish them, then that's a big problem. And I think they do need to figure out a, a quarterback. Maybe Tannehill is going to be okay next season. But I think for now, I wouldn't panic too much if I was a Titans fan. Certainly things to improve. Lots of teams are in that boat. Uh, but it, you're not miles off the pace. And I think anytime you have Derrick Henry and a competent quarterback, that's a really dangerous combination. Yeah. And then for the uh, the final wildcard spot, um, comes down, like I said, to the Patriots, Dolphins and Steelers. Who you think is going to take that? I mean, it's a really interesting one, isn't it? The Patriots haven't really played that great towards the end of the season. Mac Jones has flatlined a little bit, in my opinion. Tua Tagovailoa is clearly the best quarterback in that grouping of the three with Pickett as well. Uh, but he but might not play. play. He's still out. Yeah, He's he, not. He, Him and Bridgewater are, out. are both out. So that's going to make life. I think the Dolphins are clearly the best team out of those three. But have they got enough star star power left to get them over to home. Do you, they're playing the Jets, I believe, Dara, who are eliminated. So that might help Yes, them the out. Dolphins are playing the Jets, yeah. That might help them out a little bit. Uh, so I guess if my money's down, it's got to go on the Pittsburgh Steelers. Kenny Pickett, uh, what's that wide receiver they had? Pick, Pickens? Uh, George Kenny, Pickens. George Pickens uh, and Najee Harris. That's always tough to stop. Who, who are the Steelers playing? Sorry, Dara, I should know this. They are at home to the Browns. Yeah, I'm going to go, of those three, I'm going to go Steelers. It's not who I think should be in the playoffs, but I think based on what all three teams have left and what they can roll out on the pitch on Sunday, I'm going to go Steelers. What about you? It's tough. Um, If Tua was playing, I would have said yes. 
easy the Dolphins are going to beat the Jets. Um, because even after seeing the Jets play last week against the Seahawks, the Jets were awful. Uh, mm-hmm. Absolutely awful. On offense especially. Defense, they did play better. Um, but on the offensive side of the ball, they, they couldn't do anything. Um, Mike White, I think, is uh, he came back too soon from that rib injury. I think he should have sat the season and they should have allowed Joe Flacco to at least finish the year um, if they still didn't want to play Zach Wilson. The Steelers, I find, is incredible because for all the season, you know, people have been, you know, putting the Steelers down and basically saying this is going to be the first year of Mike Tomlin's reign that he will have a losing season. They're eight and eight currently. They win. They have that. He continues his streak of winning seasons every year. He's been in charge of the of the Steelers. Um, yeah, with the Dolphins rolling out, I think it's Skylar Thompson. They also signed Mike Glennon today, so I don't know which one of them they're going to start on Sunday. They still have Tyreek Hill and Jalen Waddle. All you need to do is get the ball to them and just let them go. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm sure. I'm sure Sauce Gardner will be on Tyreek for that game. Mm-hmm. So we'll see what that battle's going to be like. Um, it is so tough, though. It's so tough. If I, you know, if you twist my arm and tell me I have to to pick someone right now, I think I'm going to go with you, and I'm going to say the Steelers. I, I like the idea. Can you pick it? You know, the rookie, the one that said his Tiny hands, hands. Small for the NFL. Yeah, he was not. He will. I, I'd like the idea to say that he is going to make it. So I, I like that story, and I like the, the fact that the Steelers could make it. So I'm going to say the Steelers as well. We're agreed. Now, we're agreed. One of the rare times we are agreed, actually, on this. Now. Um, let's let's talk about the NFC final wildcard spot, because it's a little more um, complicated. It's not straight mm-hmm. out um, totally. So there is one spot up for grabs, the final wildcard spot. Three teams are involved in it. It's the Seattle Seahawks, the Detroit Lions, and the Green Bay Packers. Now, where it gets a little muddy is okay. So the Seahawks play at home to the Rams this weekend at 4:25 Eastern time, 9:25 Irish time, um, in the second slate of games. Then on the Sunday night football, the Detroit Lions are in Lambeau against the Packers. Um, but by the time that game kicks off, the Detroit Lions will know whether or not they are still involved in the playoffs. Because if the Seahawks win that game against the Rams in the second slate of games earlier in the day, the Detroit Lions cannot make the playoffs. It, then it will only come down to the Packers and the Seahawks to see who can win. And then if the Packers win that game, they make it true on the on their record in the NFC. And they have a better record against NFC teams this year than the Seahawks. So it's kind of a little muddied. They're obviously being a Seahawks fan. There's a few Seahawks people complaining, like fans, mm-hmm. I should say, no one actually associated with the team, complaining that the game is not on at the same time. If the Detroit Lions, you know, see that the Seahawks win, they may not try and win the game against the Packers, causing the Seahawks then to lose the playoff spot. Da, 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 da. I don't. I don't buy into that narrative. Um, if the Seahawks hadn't lost all their games against the worst division of football, the NFC South this year, they wouldn't have to worry about this. If they hadn't exactly. gone and lost, if they hadn't gone and lost five of the previous six games before last weekend's game, they wouldn't be in this situation. So 
that's that's the issue around them not making the playoffs. Yeah. It's not the fact that they're going to kick off earlier and then winning means the Lions aren't going to be bothered in winning a game. But yeah. the way it is, I still think the Seahawks will beat the Rams, but I still also think that the Packers are going to beat the Lions, which means I have the Packers making the playoffs. Fionn, what do you think? I agree. It's very technical about how it's going to happen, but you just don't bet against Aaron Rodgers to make the playoffs. And it's as simple as that. I think I agree with you. The Rams are no hopers this season. Seahawks can beat them. I agree with you. Stop whinging. You're trying to make the playoffs at eight and eight in the last game of the season. You don't have any right to say, oh, but the games aren't going to be on at the same time. Sorry. If they were playing Detroit or Green Bay and it was a head-to-head, they would be the Sunday night football game. I agree with the NFL flexing that game. It's a head-to-head, winning your in, playoff scenario. Uh, well, of course, actually, that depends. It's not if uh, if Seattle loses, right? Or if Seattle wins, then Detroit is Seattle out. wins, yeah. The Lions cannot make the playoffs whether they win or not. So, yeah. I mean, I don't think... Personally, I don't think the Lions will take it easy. But also, I don't think that Green Bay Packers will lose that game. I think Aaron Rodgers just wins that game 99 times out of 100. Uh, he's been on a tear recently. They started off awful. Once again, they've come storming back. They have not looked great they're also at eight and eight obviously like the seahawks so it has been a subpar season for them i don't think any of the packers fans will be too pleased about where they've ended up but yeah i think it's for me it's easy you just don't bet against aaron Rodgers making it into the playoff when it's a win in your in scenario i don't care who they're playing i don't care what the outcomes are if all he needs to do is win to get into the playoffs i'm betting aaron Rodgers. yeah yeah fair enough and and like that, I agree. I think the it, when it comes to sport, it's all about at what time you peak. The Seahawks peaked in October when they had, I think, a, a four or five game win streak. Mm-hmm. The Packers are peaking now, just in the time when they need to for the playoffs. And it could be that that's the difference between them making it and the Seahawks not making it. And look, listen. Again, on the Seahawks side of things, there's an argument to be made whether or not the Seahawks actually do want to make it into the playoffs because if they do, there's not a lot of confidence around them actually going far in the playoffs. They could be a one and done um, in it. Mm-hmm. Um, and especially the fact that they lost their um, best linebacker in Jordan Brooks at the weekend too to an ACL injury. Um you know, the, the offense has stuttered a little bit as well. The offensive line is falling apart. Um, and it looks like they could end up facing the 49ers if they do make it in as that seventh seed. And the 49ers have beaten them twice this year already. It's difficult to see the Seahawks progressing any further than wildcard weekend if they do, in fact, make the playoffs. Whereas with the with the Packers, you think that they would have a better chance of possibly upsetting the uh, the 49ers if they were to make it into the playoffs. Absolutely. I think if you're an independent fan, you just want the best playoff football. I think you'd rather of those three quarterbacks, you'd rather Aaron Rodgers in the playoffs. I think that's going to be spectacular. And it, they always have a chance, right? They've always got a chance to win when it's win and go home, win or go home. Aaron Rodgers is the man normally uh, until about the semi, until about the uh, conference champion or sorry. Uh, yeah. Conference championships. Then he falls apart a little bit, but uh, yeah, <laughs> I think, I think if we want a good playoff team, it's the Green Bay Packers all day long. Well, maybe he's doing an Uno reverse this year, you know. I most, think that's what uh, he is. Regular. Yeah, going most, under the radar. Yeah, most and... years. Yeah, 
Most reasons he's great in the regular season, wins an MVP, and when it comes to playoffs, he bombs. Maybe he's doing the opposite. He's been yeah, got rid of you know, all of underwhelming this. Yeah, underwhelming this regular season, and then now in the playoffs, that's when he's going to uh, raise hey, his about, level. Darryl, what about all these people that kept saying Aaron Rodgers doesn't care, and Aaron Rodgers is checked out, and Aaron Rodgers isn't trying very hard this season? I think I think he needs a little bit. I know a lot of people don't like Aaron Rodgers, right? He's got a personality that can rub you up the wrong way. But as Aaron Rodgers as a football player, I think he needs a big "I'm sorry" from a lot of NFL fans and pundits that were questioning his drive to blame the man as a two-time back-to-back, or sorry, a three-time, but a two-time back-to-back NFL MVP. And he didn't have a great season this year, but here he is playing for a win and you're in scenario to get into the playoffs. He's a great, yeah. he's a great football player. Whatever you think about him off, off the pitch, the man is a great football player, one of the best we've ever seen in terms of what he can do on the pitch. Uh, and I'm excited, and I'm glad once again he's spat in the eye of so many NFL pundits. <laughs> Not me, though. I have yeah. to say, and that's why I'm bringing it. Up. Oh yeah, you're, you're <laughs> another you're one, another one I've called. <laughs> um, too bad you can't call uh, air predictions each week as well either. Yeah, no, well, look, the start of the season was a roller coaster and it kind of got me down. I've been keeping pace, but unfortunately, keeping pace won't close the gap. So, look, it is what it is. I also finished second last in fantasy, uh, but my defense let me down. I had the most points against, and you just can't win. You just can't win. They're going to have to figure out something about that, Darren Fantasy. That's just not fair. <laughs> it's not fair when Fionn doesn't win. Okay. We'll, move, yeah. we'll look into that for next year. <laughs> I avoided, I avoided the forfeit, though. I avoided the forfeit. I didn't. I finished second last, not last. So I'll take it. That's that's fair enough. That's fair enough. Um, we'll move on to our final section of the to, to today's show, I should say, and that is um, a different one. Actually, it's another prediction one. Uh, since this weekend is the final one of the regular season, um, Monday after uh, week 18 isn't commonly referred to as Black Monday. That is where owners of teams who have underperformed this year decide whether or not to retain their head coaches or GMs for next season. We already know the Broncos and Panthers will be on the lookout for new head coaches following Nathaniel Hackett's and Matt Rule's firings. From what Buffion... I want you to give me a few names of who you think may not be returning to their year, team next year. Now, um, we'll kind of go one name one name from you, one name from me. We'll probably pick two names each in total. Um, so your first name um, of head coach who you do not think is going to be returning next year. My first name is one that I think should not return. I don't think there's any excuse to have him back. That's Josh McDaniel of the uh, Las Vegas Raiders. The quarterback, he has had his starting preferred quarterback the entire season. He had Devontae Adams. He had Jacobson at running back. Two studs at their position. Devontae Adams set the team record for receiving yards this year inside the previous NFL like 16-game schedule. So he didn't even need the final game of the season to break the record. And they have been abysmal they have not made it anywhere close to the playoffs they're six and ten at the moment they're guaranteed to have a losing season i just think that's not good enough with supposedly the talent that you have the defense you've got max crosby there an absolute game wrecker in a defense some other names in that defense are 
blanking a little bit, but they're by no means are they a bottom bottom five team in terms of defense. And it, as far as I'm concerned, that makes those offensive offensive weapons no excuse. And I think it has to come down to the coach. We'll have discussions, I'm sure, as these names come out. I always have sympathy for head coaches, especially when starters, obvious starters, go down injured. That's one thing. Uh, Ron Rivera, which I'm surprised we didn't mention. Maybe, maybe he's on your list. I don't know. You can certainly bring that up. He brought in Carson Wentz. It didn't perform well, but also Carson Wentz got injured. And so there's, that blame is kind of 50-50. But for me, Josh McDaniels has no excuses. He has no outs. He had all the weapons that he needed as far as I was concerned on offense. They performed and he didn't. He couldn't get them the wins in the win column. And that for me is inexcusable and he's got to go. Okay, fair enough, fair enough. Um, I did see reports about them looking at possibly removing McDaniels, but it could be that he might survive only on a financial basis. Supposedly they, they are cash strapped at the moment and they can't really afford to pay off his contract. So we'll see what happens there. Mm. My first name is um, kind of an obvious one as well. Um, he has been on the edge all season. Um, and it's not the edge of glory. It's not a Lady Gaga song. This is definitely the edge of oblivion. And that is Cliff Kingsbury. Um, and I do not think he's going to be coming back to the Arizona Cardinals next season. Um, things have gone from bad to worse. Um, no matter what has happened um, in his tenure. <clears throat> uh, I know he start, he's had this weird stat. It goes back from his Texas Tech days as well, where he starts off the season great, and then when it comes to the second half of the season, they just bomb. This season, they just started poorly and continued poorly throughout the whole thing, um, having issues with his quarterback as well, um, getting getting that, uh, I think, at the worst time possible, that fly-on-the-wall series of uh, hard knocks in the midseason. It's not the team that they... Um, Great for viewership, not great for obviously the team and when they're going through the worst possible period. The issues in the background as well, you know, GM Steve Kime going on um, gardening leave for uh, an undisclosed period of time for reasons we are not aware of. Them firing one of their offensive line coaches in Mexico for um, inappropriate actions towards a woman. Um, just this season has just been a disaster for the Cardinals. Um, and I think that Cliff Kingsbury is going to be the one that's going to um lose his job because of it. Yeah, I think we're seeing a trend, right? These kind of weird, niggly stories that come out, like it came out against Urban Meyer, like things like you have to put a clause in your quarterback's contract to make him study. Like these are weird things, they're usually red flags. Uh, Colin Murray did get a little bit injured during the season. Obviously, that that is a crutch he will use to try and save himself uh, and say, I didn't have my starter. But to be honest, he was more than available. Hopkins obviously missed the first few games of the season. He came back. Uh, but yeah, it wasn't good, especially for one of these. He keeps being billed as these offensive minds. And it looked well, but it seems like teams can figure him out a little bit too easily. And like you said, has this now reputation of not being able to close out seasons. So uh, we'll see. I, I agree with you. I think he's going to struggle. Uh, and I think he might be on the chopping block as well. Yeah, I think so. And look, yeah, 
we we know with Kyler Murray and the ACL injury that he suffered. Um, I think actually Klingsbury said today that he actually had a successful surgery on it, that he had to do a total reconstruction on the ACL. So, um, which is tough, obviously, for, for Kyler. And we wish him all the best and hope he gets back soon. Um, but like that, like you mentioned with DeAndre Hopkins as well, missing the first six games of this year due to um, a PD violation. Um, it, there's just, there's so much um, going on. But... I think that he is going to leave. We are pressed for time a little bit. We'll get through these second names very quickly. Fionn, your second name of uh, head coach that you think could leave this yeah, so uh, offseason. I did my first one that I thought most likely would leave. This one is one I think should leave, but probably won't. My favorite character in your life, Dara, it's Pete Carroll. Uh, we've talked about this a lot. He's really ingrained in that Seattle team. He might as well be an owner now at this point. The only chance you have is if he retires because he's he's essentially not going to fire himself. Uh, but I think all Seahawks fans won't have any particular problem with me saying that. They have underperformed the last couple of seasons. They have been undercoached the last couple of seasons. I think Geno Smith's hot play at the start of this season was more down to his natural abilities than Pete Carroll's fantastic coaching. And I just think on the on the coaching side of things, I think he's a little bit beyond uh, his best years now. I think if he was any other coach, they probably would have slowly moved him out of the way and got fresh blood in there. So I'd like to hear your opinion quickly before you give me your last name. But yeah, Pete Carroll is one. Again, I don't think he will go unless he chooses for himself that he's done. But maybe if if you could choose, would you give him the sack? Or are you happy enough and you think maybe the holes are from some other cause? Mm-hmm. Before I get into it very quickly, um, at the start I mentioned that the Broncos and Panthers are looking for a new head coaches. I forgot to say the Colts as well. They fired Frank Wright mid-season. They're also looking for a new head coach. Um, it's interesting you bring up the Pete Carroll thing because I don't think he's going to get sacked because basically, like you mentioned, he kind of runs it himself. He's going to have to sack himself. So I don't think he's going to do that. There has been murmurings in Seahawks Twitter about the possibility that he may retire. Um, I don't know if they are substantial claims. I don't know if they do have any weight to them, but people are pointing out things that he's saying in press conferences and his mannerisms a bit that he is not the same Pete Carroll he has been in previous years. He's not as energetic as he has been. Look, the guy's also like 70, 71. You know, he's not going to be jumping around off the walls, although he is often called one of the most, you know, energetic head coaches in the NFL. Um, Look, I had my my doubts last season about whether or not Pete Carroll was the man to take the team forward after the Russell Wilson trade. Hindsight is a great thing because it just shows he was a genius for letting Russ go. Um, he's gone with Gino again. I didn't think that was going to work out. You can say for the majority it has worked out because he has won more games this year than a lot of people were thought he would. Um, the defense, though, for years has been a struggle. He did draft quite well this year. He has more than enough draft picks this year. That's if he stays on. So I I guess I'm happy to um uh, uh very happy I'll be happy for him to continue on another year. Um if he continues to draft as well as he did um in this one, because I know this is a big one with two first round picks and two second round picks this year as well. And one of them is gonna be a very high pick. So we'll see what happens. But I don't think he's going to leave, but 
if he does, I'm still going to be very sad about it because he has been the Seattle Seahawks. He's the guy that brought the Seahawks their only Super Bowl um, in the team's history and brought them to another Super Bowl, came within, you know, a goal line uh, interception from winning it. Um, so we'll see. We'll see what happens. Um, but I hopefully, I'm okay with him leaving. I'd be sad if he, if he does leave. Fair enough. What's your last um, chopping block? I have t- I have two names here. Um, again, I think I'm going to go along the lines with you in terms of a, a, this is a head coach I don't think is going to be fired, but I think it could be a head coach that could leave his team. I mentioned it on a previous show before, and that's Rams head coach Sean McVay. There were so many rumors last season after winning the Super Bowl that McVay could quit and take up an analyst job. He just got married. He wants to start a family with his uh, new wife. Um, a head, a, being a head coach in the NFL means you're away from home more than you're at home. Um, I think that he'll want to be around, especially if they are starting a family for the first couple of years. Being an analyst means he gets a lot more free time. He's he already set said, up in L.A. He's already set up in L.A., exactly. Um, he has said that his futures is tied to... The futures of the big players, Aaron Donald, Cooper Cup, Matt Stafford. A lot of rumors is Matt Stafford may not come back next year. Aaron Donald, we don't know if he's going to come back next year. Cooper Cup, we assume he's going to come back next year. I don't think that's a doubt whether or not he's going to come back. But I think of how this season has gone as well for the team and how poorly it's been. Maybe it's just taken a toll on him too much that he's going to be like, I need a break for a couple of years, maybe get into the analyst job, and then in maybe three, four years, I'll come back and be a head coach. I I can see that happening as well. Yeah, I think he was very stressed at the end. I don't think he'll be happy with how this season has gone. Like I said, yeah, I was joking, but I think it's it's true. His like you said, his his future is tied to big players, and Aaron Donald's not a guarantee to come back next season. Uh, Matt Stafford, I couldn't really care. I'm still not impressed by Matt Stafford. I'm sorry. I know he won a, a Super Bowl. I don't think he was the best quarterback. Uh, I'm sure they can come up with a new quarterback. I don't know how upset he'll be if Matt Stafford ends up going. But they have certainly shown that their backups are not at a starting caliber. So they will need to be on the shopping on the shopping list, going around Amazon, see if they can pick up a new quarterback. Uh, if they do, I think he has a chance to come back. But yeah, I agree. I think he's perfectly set up. There's a lot of dominoes already ready to fall. For him to get out of NFL head coaching right now uh, and pick up a really nice life for himself. Which, look, that's like we said, some things are more important than football. Uh, and this might be a case of being drawn away to what he always really wanted. Not necessarily being a football head coach, like you said. Very time consuming. A lot of time away. A lot of stress as well, especially when the team doesn't perform uh, like he had to deal with this season. So, it'll be interesting to see. Again, yeah, I think that's one to keep an eye on of maybe... Maybe an off chance that uh, we don't start next season with Sean McVay as the head coach of the Rams. Yeah, and of course things will become clearer this time next week when the uh, the regular season is finally finished and uh, we will see who is still in charge of their team for sure. And we will of course be here to comment on whatever moves are made by any of the team owners or GMs. But that's where we're going to wrap up this edition of the show. Fiona, as always, thank you so much. Thank you very much, Dar. It's been a pleasure as always. Uh, make sure you are following us on our social channels at UndercenterPod on Instagram and Twitter. That's where we are most active. You can get us on Facebook too so you, if you want. Um, or YouTube, Undercenter Podcast. You'll search, you'll find it there. 
wherever you listen to your podcast, you will find us too. Just search under center podcast, you know, Spotify, uh, Apple Podcasts, whatever podcast app you use, Google Podcasts, we are there. But like I said, we are going to wrap up this edition of the show. Once again, our thoughts and well wishes are going out to the family of Damar Hamlin. Um, but we will be back next week to look back at the final week of the regular season. But until next time, stay safe and we'll see you soon.